All right. So, hey, guys, this isn't Tracy. This is actually her best friend, Girdley. And because me and that crazy girl have been through like uh, 10 years of adventures, I thought I'd hit y'all with a disclaimer of sorts. First and lastly, do know that whatever the hell Tracy shares in this podcast comes from her very own treasure chest of magic, logic, and good intentions. She's definitely not a therapist alternative, but she does believe it's inhumane to withhold what feels like gangsta insight. My girl's not for everyone, but she just might be for you. She's beauty in the Unicorns, aliens, striving ass humans. Welcome back, guys. We are still in the crawling stages of this podcast development, but you know what? I am celebrating that shit because any type of forward movement, whether it be leap or whether it be baby step, is worth acknowledgement. In my damn opinion, anyway. And if you disagree, your ass can't come through your headphone speakers or whatever and shut me up. Hee hee. But nah, I know my squad and my squad runs on the energy of love. So ain't nothing to worry about. Okay. So for the episode, what are we on? Seven? Eight? I guess I should know this, right? So for this next episode, I decided to snag a dear love of mine, Tatiana Tarot, for an awesome conversation. Tati is someone I've admired from a distance for some time, but really began to adore her when we met in person and did a couple events together. This woman is very much about the spirituality life, and it's been that way since the days kids were playing Skip It and Hopscotch, okay? There are so many directions I could go in to describe Tatiana, so let's try this one. Tatiana, she's primarily known for being a tarot reader, and she's going to break down what what that actually means and doesn't mean, I should add. She's also the founder of My Urban Illumination, which is a guidance service for those who want to develop further inner peace, self-awareness, heightened intuition, and an expanded consciousness on life. So clearly we're working with a bad witch here, but I'm not going to spend an entire convo with anyone, friend or fam, sucking their dick. I also challenged Tati on a few things. However, I really got to say that she came through for good mind smash. Me likey. With that said, I hope you guys enjoy. And heads up, you might want to grab a pen and a pad. Keep those handy and you'll understand why. Thank me later. My dearest Tatiana, my spiritual MILF, I can't call you a mother. <laughs> I'm not trying to age you and we're basically in the same damn age bracket. But I am going to call you a MILF because I do learn so much from you. So I just want to grant you some type of like maternal crowning of some sort. <laughs> well, I feel the same way. I wouldn't call you a MILF though, baby girl. <laughs> I take it though. I know what you mean. Yes, you know what I mean, Tatiana. Yo, stay with me on this drive, okay? There might be some swerving, but just hold on. I swear we're going to get to a good destination. <laughs> Anyways, boo, so thank you so much for giving me um, some of your time. And I feel like we should just disrobe and just dive right the hell in, okay? Okay, let's do it. All righty. So Steve Jobs, I feel like for... As multidimensional a man he is with both, you know, uh, a halo and a set of horns, he has so many wonderful freaking quotables. And I remember one when I first heard it when he was doing his um, Stanford ad commencement address and it always stuck to my skin and it always just comes back at the right moments. And he said, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. Right. 
And I think about that a lot in terms of people who I really admire because I love to see the string that's there all along their different like chapters and years of life. So for you, T, let's go back to when you're a child. And and this might be a random query, but just ponder it for a second. So during your days of, you know, sweet, sweet virginity and innocence, <laughs> let's just say you're like, <laughs> we're going there. Let's just say you're like, I don't know, eight to 10 years old. What can you recall where you're, top three um, activities or mental interests? Oh, yes. Around the range, I was an avid learner of ancient civilizations and any sort of ancient wisdom that would be a derivative of that culture, predominantly ancient Egypt. Hmm. Um, I was very much a fanatic about, you know, the wisdoms of uh Kemet and the gods and the goddesses and you know the whole hierarchy system and and whatnot. I was you know I was obsessed actually since I I would almost say close to the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, I even followed that passion into college and studied Egyptology and got an archaeology um, degree from it. Wow! But so that was that was one thing that really kind of dove me a little bit deeper into metaphysical knowledge. Um, another was the pursuit of dancing. I was always dancing, creating choreography, um, um, prancing around in my house. That's who I also follow through. Um, and the last, I would say, hmm, definitely diving into the realms of what I'm doing now, it's very borderline spirituality meets kind of witchcraft. I was always reading about uh, rituals, even on a basic level, uh, even if you take it back to ancient civilizations, the ancient Egypt, how they utilize rituals in their day-to-day life, um, learning about auras, learning about past lives. Um, and this is only, I know it sounds a little bit far-fetched for that someone that <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, kiddo, all I cared about was freaking kickball and Dunkaroos. <laughs> no, I know. And, you know, I was into normal stuff, too, definitely. Like, I grew up in best size, so I was into all that. But um, my dad raised me, and he was an avid reader. And he read a lot of things on ancient history, modern history, and was really passionate about uh, the metaphysical world as well. So his bookshelves would be filled with Edgar Casey books, Nostradamus books, mm. um, and you know, like creative visualization, Shakti Gawain, a book about entrepreneurship and all that jazz. So that was kind of like my world, and that still still is my world. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, that's a really sturdy class of like spirituality 101. Um, so let me know this. Is there a difference between religion, spirituality, and witchcraft? And I feel like the latter witchcraft we've seen throughout all our years of existence, it's just been shamed. You know, there's a very negative connotation. There's um, a lot of confusion around that. And people feel like it's a tool that's used mainly for negativity. So just see if you can define all three of those and how they fit into your current life. Okay, so I'll start off with spirituality. 
or actually, better yet, I will start off with religion because it's very easy to blur uh, religion and spirituality, and people think they're mutually exclusive, and I don't necessarily believe that. So religion, I, from my perspective, it is the belief in a higher force. Um, it is a belief in a singular higher calling, a higher force, be that God, be that goddess, be that Jesus, Allah, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that entity which all things, which one would perceive that all things stem from. Spirituality is the relation that you have, that direct relation and connection that you have to that entity. So my religion can be myself if I believe that I am God. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And mm, the practice of spirituality is how do I view everything on a day-to-day basis in relation to myself if I believe that I am God and I've created everything out of my perspective? That is my spiritual practice, is, is finding some connection in every little thing around me. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that practice witchcraft that are not necessarily, the lines get a little bit fuzzy here because there are people who may be spiritual and they dive into witchcraft, um, which is just essentially uh, the practice of finding a connection within a higher force and implementing um, nature into it Hmm. because nature is very much you know, what we know of to be true and what we know of to be real. Um, the earth is our home, and we're from the cosmos. We're made out of stars. We're made out of stardust. So it is, you know, finding a connection to tie your physical body to those elements, to those forces, and, um, you know, communicating to the divine in that way. And they call that witchcraft. And there are many ways of doing that, whether it's, you know, there's many subgenres of witchcraft. They call it, like, Green witch is someone that deals with herbs mm-hmm. um, or other variants, whether it's you're into Santeria and, and, and it's um, an African diaspora spirituality that is embedded in um, Christian saints, you know, that is also spiritual practice and that is another, I guess you can say, a subgenre of witchcraft, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. But the taboo really comes from the onset of religion, uh, not seeing how you can honor and respect other viewpoints. So anything that kind of deviates from their their, uh, line of of, of tradition or their belief system Mm -hmm. is seen as a sin. Um, anything that allows you to feel that allows you to feel personal power within inside of yourself, they feel that it's simple because you're not giving credit to this higher power. They don't see how your how a higher power can coexist with you as well, mm-hmm. being powerful. And, and so that's where all this taboo comes from. Um, but I wouldn't see it as though. So. In fact, I see uh, witchcraft as a, a practice that's very empowering. And just like any other religions, you can have the extreme fanatic, um, the fundamentalist that can go completely off, you know, off the, the tail, off the bonkers. Or you can have really faithful, devout people that um, are all for the, the, the faith and the practice and the purity of it. 
and in the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the same thing applies to witchcraft. It can be a very negative practice, and it can be a very positive practice. But when oh, wait, T, T, you're breaking up. You're breaking up just a little bit. Say, say a couple words right here. So, you know, when people hear witchcraft, Mm-hmm. Because there's been so many stigmas on it, they automatically assume that you can only do harm from it. You can't do any healing work and, you, you know, it can't be used for good. Right. That's so true. And I think something that's important that you said is there's many intersections within all three of those entities, spirituality, religion, and witchcraft. And I don't think you necessarily have to just be all squatted up with one and you can't like take something from another that works. You know, I'm someone that's really big on everyone on with a pumping heart on this land is meant to be a teacher in some capacity. Right. But it's, it's just about take what works and leave the rest. And beyond leaving the rest, don't judge the rest. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is like, well, that is basically what spirituality is in a nutshell, is, um, you know, finding what calls your spirit, finding what helps you connect further and be on I mean, unlimited essence inside of yourself. Mm-hmm. You can call that God or you can, you know... For me, I, I'm, I'm going to be the first person to say I don't really know. I don't know anything. Um, I believe, you know, because I can perceive things and I can label things and I, this is my life and I define it as I will, just as anyone else. I think you should believe that you are the God of your life. But that in and of itself can be very limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the concept of God is so vast. I mean, I don't even want to dare put a finger or a label on it to even explain what it could potentially be. It's, it's all encompassing. Yeah. And so, you know, spirituality is like the, the, the art of discovering throughout your whole life for yourself what that means to you and how you relate to that and how you see yourself a part of that. Um, and if you see yourself as that at all, you mm. know, not it's not rules, it's not regulations, it's not it can be tradition if you allow it to be tradition. And you know what? It's it's hard for me to say it's not rules and regulations because it can be as well. Um but for the most part it is your liberty to explore what you want to explore. Um without people kind of judging you for it. That is the beauty of very, very true. Beautifully said. I appreciate that. So then let's get more into your specialized uh, craft, which is tarot. Many people call it tarot. Nah, bruh. Tarot. <laughs> <laughs> My pronunciation is correct. Whatever you want to call it. I call it tarot. I don't correct people when they're like tarot. <laughs> ah, okay. That's no, good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dope, dope, dope. Right, exactly. Yes, you're very bilingual. Okay, so when did um, you find Tarot, or rather, when did Tarot find you, Tarot? It was definitely very young. I was 
I would say I was around six years old, six or seven years old, um, in a bookstore with my dad, again, venturing off. Um, and I spotted, it was in Barnes and Nobles, and I spotted um, a writer weight deck that had a book attached to it. And, you know, in the back, it had all these cards. And, and usually my tradition at that time with my dad was to get a book. Every time we went to the bookstore, I got a new book. And I wanted this. And he said, no, of course not. He's not going to get that. And I said, well, you know, why? Why not? And he's like, it's not, this is not a game, you know. This is not, first of all, it's not a book, and it's not a game for little children, you know. And that kind of sparked my curiosity. I knew it was cards. I knew it had something to do with uh, some foreign concepts I wasn't allowed to explore at that age. And, you know, it was in the area of magic and witches and all those things I was telling you I was interested in at that time. Right. So what happened is I ended up going home, and my grandma had a playing card deck in the kitchen. And I was just always a very imaginative kid. I would I used those cards, and I started pretending as if I knew how to read cards. I don't know where it came from. I don't remember anyone actually explaining to me that tarot was a divination tool, that tarot could, uh, quote-unquote, predict futures or anything like that or what a fortune teller was. I just started doing it like I have been doing it my whole life. And I would bring it to school. I would specifically use it during lunch um, to <laughs> practice on my friends. I would trade with them. I, you know, I would be like, I give you a tarot reading if you give me your pudding. <laughs> or your apple. That's an awesome bartering system. Would, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, so, you gangster. Um, you know, I don't even know. I wish I could really, I wish I could go back in time and remember, you know, how I made that immediate connection. But I really think that it must have been some sort of, if you will, like past life memory. Mm. If that exists, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, I think a lot of people, when they think of tarot, once they see cards, they automatically make it synonymous with fortune telling. Um, so is are they fair in thinking that way? Are they justified in thinking that way? Or is it completely two different things? Uh, no, I would say it's different. Um, it's not fortune telling in the sense that it is predicting your future because that is it's empowering. One, I don't care to know what's in your future. No offense <laughs> to any one of my clients. You know, I'm not here trying to tell you what kind of life you're inevitably going to have. That is your free will. Everybody can flip their switch at any moment in their life. Mm -hmm. And that is the beauty of tarot. What tarot does is that it uses a lot of symbology. It uses a lot of imagery. Um, and, and, and through the art of storytelling and through the art of, it's kind of like archaeology and you're digging through these, these pictures and this energy to find some information, you basically read the, the, presence, um, the presence level of energy that that person has mm -hmm. and what is most likely to happen in accordance to how their belief systems, their subconscious um, and conscious choices because it does reveal your subconscious um, behavior, mm -hmm. um, what is lurking beneath. So if it's a habitual pattern that you're unaware of, it's very possible that a, 
uh, a tarot reader can predict certain things in the near future. However, if the tower reading enlightens you of these subconscious powers and makes you very um, mindful of the, the thoughts you've been thinking or the energies that you have surrounding you or, or what choices and actions that you're most inclined to act upon based on your past decisions and, and the characteristics of your personality and your psyche, then um then, yes, then you're using it as a tool of empowerment, you're using it as a tool of healing, and you can direct yourself as you will. And that is what I aim to do with my clients is that I direct them, um, I help them to help themselves when they cannot see, essentially. Right. So this sounds like a cheaper form of health care if you don't have insurance to go to Yo. a psychologist. <laughs> Yo, that's exactly <laughs> it is metaphysical therapy. Mm. People are turning it into, of course, you know, how many descriptions do we have of tarot readers kind of describing it in this way? I've never met a tarot reader that says, you know, oh, it's this and that and it's used as a tool of empowerment. No, usually people, you know, you see the $5 gypsies in, <laughs> in East New York, or low, I mean, not East New York, but Lower East Side and all that jazz and, you know, it's a one, two, three thing. They tell you a bunch of negative information and you're left with a bad, you know, taste in your mouth. And that's what a lot of people think that tarot is, is that you're going to get this information that's factual, that's supposed to happen. Um, you're going to tell me about my life instead of me um, internalizing this information and reflecting and using it to my best advantage and choosing for myself. Mm -hmm. um, it is very much therapy and it's very much effective therapy because it's, it's an ongoing conversation and it gets you to pry in deep into those levels that, you know, one wouldn't normally ask themselves upon the surface, you know, mm -hmm. why am I feeling this way? Why, how is the death part in relation to my emotions and, and, and my love life and all that? And, and why am I resistant to change? And what happened in my childhood that's enabled me to feel this way now? It can get pretty deep. Mm. So, um, but because, you know, what I think it is, it's a, it's a safety barrier that allows people to become vulnerable because they see, they physically see something in front of their faces that engages them to talk or it kind of, uh, it, it flips the switch in their brain mm -hmm. so they don't really think it's therapy and they start diving into more personal things. So it's, it's very effective in many ways that most people wouldn't consider. Mm. That makes a whole lot of sense. Now, if you want to practice uh, tarot reading, is there, you know, like when you think about traditional therapy, you usually need some form of certification. You get your nice title as a doctor and everyone's like, OK, you're legit. Um, but like you were saying, you can go to certain spots like over here in New York City and pretty much anyone can just, you know, put on some belly dancer looking outfit, call themselves a tarot, tarot reader <laughs> and collect like 75 bucks within, you know, four hours. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> So how can someone like know the difference between like you know an authentic tarot reader and the frauds? You know I belly dance too, right? <laughs> <laughs> no offense to my belly dancers, but some people are using it as a costume and not as oh, their I know, I you know, know. <laughs> yeah, cultural appropriation. Their boom kapow is not just with black folks. Yep. Yeah. How can you tell? It's really simple. You gotta listen to. 
your instincts and you got to pay attention to how you feel mm. um, when the person is giving you information. I've had a lot of people come to me because they've gotten scammed hundreds and thousands of dollars. Um, and they know in the process of them listening to these fortune tellers that they're getting scammed because, one, they don't feel good. The, the, and that's the first thing. I get an icky feeling going to this woman. She seems rushed. She seems disturbed. The energy didn't feel quite right. That's what I get. Two, everything was very negative. Everything, okay, things don't have to be completely hunky-dory, but in reality, um, you know, I am not going to paint that picture for you. I am not going to take that responsibility on to tell you what is positive or negative in your life. That is a personal perspective, and that is not mine, and it is none of my business. Um, a, a death of a relative, seemingly to many people, can be very negative, very grieving process. But who knows, that could have been a, a, a spiritual liberation inside of themselves that have, has enabled them to follow their dreams in some way or freed them up from some sort of, you know, sense of frustration or what have you. So, so I would say, you know, if something is predominantly a particular mood, like if it seems a little bit too good to be true and you seem like you're getting some bullshit involved mm -hmm. or if it seems like, oh, God, I'm just, you know, oh, my God, it just looks like I'm going to die tomorrow and there's no way out of it. In addition to a follow-up, which is like, oh, you're going to need a spell or a cleansing for $300 to get yourself out of this rut, then you know it ain't real. But mm -hmm. first off, I think a lot of people disregard their innate sense of intuition. They disregard their ability to judge energy and to distinguish what is right for them and what is not right for them. Um, you know, because right off the bat, when you look at someone's face, a, a facial feature, I mean, I could be wearing a costume. It doesn't mean that I'm a phony. Right. It doesn't mean that I'm completely real either. You have to go with what sort of information is being um, is being given to you, and and how do you how do you make what do you make out of that situation? Right. You can ask yourself internally: Is this truthful to me? Does this resonate with me? Am I connecting with this on a heartful level, or do I feel like I need to guard myself? Do I feel like I need to protect myself? Do I feel like I'm being scammed? Mm. So these are these are quick things you can ask. Um, sometimes that's, that's very true what you are saying because I think something as simple as looking at it as someone's not giving you information, they're just suggesting information. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's and it's up to you for better or for worse whether you want to receive it or where you, whether you want to um, object to it. And also, I think a lot of us, you know this kind of this hero complex sort of thing where you just you want to be saved you know you want someone to have all the answers because a lot of what's going on inside of our cerebrums is all muddled and it's just like sky high towers of overthinking you know um, mm -hmm. but but I think your role Tatiana and other tower readers is is really a teammate you know what I mean it's a teammate Who's like, yo, look behind your shoulder over here, possibly because you don't realize these habits. You you tend to lean more on the left when you're in this situation. You know what I mean? And it's like someone exactly. just giving you a heads up. 
Yes, it's like a third party consulting you. Like you can say like um, the all-seeing eye. Hey, you know, based on these past situations and how you've reacted to them and how, you know, your energy is more inclined to lean towards, I could tell you this is what you can expect and this is what, you know, this is what's most likely up ahead of you. But a lot of people don't ask about their future like that. Mm -hmm. They just... They, they they really want some heartful advice um, about the sort of path that they're venturing on. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it is not really tough predicting where they're going to go so much as I will be reading the cards without them telling me anything, and it just ends up validating all the emotions that they've had stored up, but they had no sort of organization system to reflect on that or to even give themselves the validation that they were right all along. People that kind of ask, you know, am I going on the right path? It, it makes me feel as if, one, they don't really know the end result. They don't really know what their main target is. Um, and two, they don't have a deep sense of purpose. They're always in pursuit of maybe someone kind of giving them the thumbs up that you're doing right. And you're always on the right path. There is no wrong path. Um, It's just what you make out of the situation that you're presently in in that moment really determines whether or not you are going to see the deeper meaning behind it Mm -hmm. or you're going to reap the rewards for that, that experience. Um. So, yeah, it's really interesting. That's really comforting to say. So then when it comes to the actual cards, is it that the the cards can read the energy of the person? Because if for every person that you speak to, um, they get a different reading, you know, they're not going to have like, you're not going to have like three back to back of the same cards. Or maybe you do. I'm not really sure. But I guess how much... Do you feel like the cards are representing a higher power? Because some some people can be a little um, uncomfortable with tower reading and feel like, you know, they're praying to, like, false idols or something of that nature, you know? Yeah, and you know what it is? Um, there's many times where I haven't even needed to open my deck before I start channeling information. Huh. Uh, what it is, is that the, the, the tarot gives me an excuse to get into a space in my brain that allows me to be in a consistent stream of meditation and connection with what I feel is God, what I feel is a higher source. I always categorize my readings for the highest good of all involved, just so that people know that I'm coming with pure intention. Mm-hmm. And that also it's kind of like my uh, preparation prayer to clear the energy of any negativity or lower uh, consciousness, so to speak. But the cards in and of themselves don't really represent a higher force. You can use a box of photos. You can use rings. You can use clothing items. You can use anything. Uh, it's, you know, and, and maybe other readers don't necessarily agree with this, but I believe that there's a, a, a spiritual force in all things. I think everything is derived from source in some way. Um, it just so happens to be that the tarot is, a, is an old ancient
game. It was used as like a, a royalty game back in the day and also a divination system. A lot of people still don't have any information as to how it was derived. They feel, a lot of people feel like it came from ancient civilizations such as Egypt or like maybe aliens, whatever. For me, that's irrelevant. I'm just grateful that I have it as a tool. Mm. But I don't have to use the tarot per se. I can use another deck of cards. I could use someone's artwork. Like I said, I could use someone's photos. And it's really the practice of you connecting with your higher power and allowing that higher power to use you as a vessel of of communication and, and, and to be a messenger for that person in front of you. Um, and, and, and that's just, you know, in the tarot, I always say the tarot is just a tool that allows me to do that. Um, everybody can do it. It is called intuition. <laughs> um, <laughs> and tarot is an intuitive tool. Mm-hmm. You know? Super so, dope. No, I don't. I don't think that the deck in and of itself is like a god or has magical powers. Right. Yeah, I like how you put a. I like how you put a lot of emphasis on intuition because I think it's something that. It's like it, it is our one magical power. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that is embedded within all of us, but a lot of times we forget to um, listen to it or to activate it. You know, but. What I'm curious about with you, T, is because you, on a daily basis, you are so strongly a conduit for people, you know? You are kind of that that bridge between where they are now and where they can possibly be. And I think um, from someone, I've always kind of thought of myself as possibly an empath because I feel others' energy so strongly. And I appreciate that level of connection. But sometimes it can be very draining because I'm also an ambivert, you know. So a lot of times because doing radio, people feel like automatically assume I'm a full time extrovert. And just from my delivery methods of communication. But I have to have time for myself to decompress or I will combust <laughs> so yeah is it the same for you and if so like what are your methods of just coming back down to equilibrium um it's definitely the same for me girl you're actually hitting what is that freaking proverb hitting the head on the nail mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, hitting the nail on the head yeah there you go I always get it mixed up. <laughs> yeah i got you i need to decompress very often, because one, it, it's one thing to be reading people, but, but you know, just out of practice, but now it's, it's my full-time job, it's my career, and when I'm not reading people, I'm still writing content that involves channeling information, so um, there's many, many, many times that I get drained. Um, now my threshold and, and my capacity to, to protect myself and to, to really maximize my energy has grown a great deal with experience um, and just really talking to other healers, reading up on material, um, practicing more self-care. And, and you know, it, even if I'm not reading, even if no one, anyone's reading, I believe everyone's an empath. So just, you know, the act of walking down the street in New York City can be very draining, can be very toxic. You've got all these people 
projecting energy. Um, if, we, if you think about yourself as a, as a ball of energy, um, no one's really containing their emotions in that ball. They're thinking about 100 trillion things at once, and it's flying all over the place, and you can easily pick it up. Mm. And so what I normally do is, you know, I, there's something about simplicity for me that is key. And I don't want to whip out my stage. I don't have stage all the time, you know? And I don't want to always remember to bring stage with me. And I don't always want to result the candles and things to save me. I want to be my own savior. So I really implement a lot of willpower and breath activity. Willpower in the sense that before I go anywhere, I kind of, you know, visualize um, energy around me. I'm conscious of the energy around me. I'm, I'm always conscious of the that I'm in, I'm conscious of the thoughts that I allow in and out of my brain because that's, you know, if you think about it, you're an open door in all areas. Mm. So you've got to be guarding what you think, what you feel, what you believe, what you see, everything that you're perceiving is communicating something directly to your spirit and your soul. And either that is helping it expand or helping that contract. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm very mindful of taking deep breaths if I'm in a state of anxiety or in a state of stress, which helps me out. It helps me be extremely present and grounded. I do a grounding technique where I visualize a golden cord from my tail, my root chakra, all the way down to the center of the earth. And I, and I, uh, I channel energy to go down there to ground. I spend lots of time with um, nature, now that I'm in the Adirondacks, I've been, you know, spending more more um, one-on-one time with trees and water and, and you know, swimming and, and hiking and meditating out here. Um, everything is, is, is relative to, to wellness. So that, that goes with your, your dietary um, plan as well. Um, because I've been doing this work now every day mm-hmm. for long hours a day you know I'm now eating more plant-based foods I've, I've almost like eliminated all meat from my diet and that's not like something that I really consciously wanted to do I've just been experimenting and figuring out that this makes me feel good and I have more energy as a result of it right um well, water and salt baths um, mixing up particular herbs in my bath and, and cleansing myself that way and really relaxing. Also, um, for me, talking to my girlfriend, you know, there's nothing like one-on-one time with your girl mm-hmm. um, because, this, you know, I'm, I'm absorbing so much that I have to find a way to release. And journaling and dancing. Dancing is really big. Physical exercise is really big if you're an empath. Yeah. Um, because the emotions get stored in your body and they need a, a, an outlet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can actually like see. I remember one time I was in this meditation class and it taught you just to be able to um, to kind of put your eyes on the other side of your head and view where you store your energy. And mine is like right beneath my heart. <laughs> and, oh my god yeah and she would have you like assign a color so i always see it as yellow but i try to shift it as blue um and i just chose blue because i always heard when you reach nirvana that you see blue so mm. yeah that just puts me in a state of calm and also just like if you're into color psychology and whatnot 
um, blue just represents wellness as a whole. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very grounding color. Um, when you were speaking, I thought about when you were talking about spending time with your girlfriends, I was thinking about when we um, did our last two um, Divine Feminine workshops with Stay Lit and with uh, Mecca, of course. And I'm wondering, there's been so much conversations about womb power and yoni power and we're also seeing i've been having so many talks with my girls about how we're in an interesting time in society because more than ever in my opinion beauty is seen as a very high form of currency for better or for worse um if you ask me i think it can be towards our detriment um if we don't flex our other characteristics as much as you know our aesthetics which is fine but I just like a balance so for you how do you think women can better magnify their femininity without objectifying themselves that's a really interesting question because I've been experimenting that um, at least the magnification part mm-hmm. and it really you know having all these talks with the divine feminine that we were involved in made me really meditate on my definition of what feminine energy is. And I'm doing all this work has changed me in a way where I'm starting to, there was once once a time in my life where I felt that I was a very, kind of like alpha woman, very aggressive, um, very straightforward, um, very just raw and edgy. Um, and it almost made me feel, um, also because I never grew up with my mom and I didn't have that in- intimate connection with her, that I was lacking feminine energy on my part. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now doing this work, I realized that that's, that's my vein of strength and that, that is feminine energy as well. And um, really accepting that and acknowledging that and, 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 and honoring all the, you know, compartments that I love and, and I dislike as well is the key to magnifying your greatness as a woman, mm-hmm. is the key to that alluring, tantalizing uh, essence that people kind of capture and, and get a hold of when you walk by them in the it's not, I mean, granted, for many women, it can be a physical thing. But for me, what's be- beautiful is this, you know, mystique, this quality of unfuckableness. <laughs> that is like, you know, I accept myself for who I am. I define myself. I, I you know, and, it, and, and, you know, everything about me is lovable. Everything about me is valid. Everything about me is real. And so I think it, it, it can be challenging to, right. to reflect and, and to really look at yourself and look at your shadow sides and be like, well, how are my flaws beautiful? How, you know, how are my past circumstances and my, 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 my ways in which I've been victimized beautiful? But there's a, a resilience that we all contain inside of ourselves on and, and, and practice that on a daily basis, I really feel that we develop and cultivate and magnify that, you know, that power. 
Mm-hmm. When you think there's nothing wrong with you, no one can stop you. You completely validate yourself. You completely create yourself. Um, and that's like a definition of what being a goddess is to me. It's like creating your own world, creating your own perception of yourself and, and those things around you and feeling com- confident and, 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 you know, feeling worthy of that, feeling worthy of yourself. Right. Abs- oh, man. Yes. Feeling worthy of yourself. Absolutely. When you mentioned the word perception, um, it kindled a thought in my mind of, you know, myself, you, different light workers. People tend to place this perception upon us um, as pristine, you know? Everything is balanced at all times. Lights are always on and never off. <laughs> if you can oh, I know <laughs> exactly. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, I don't like bleed rainbow. Our blood is still the same, which means that I still have my challenges, even if they may be different from yours. But if you are um cool of just giving us a little like morsel of vulnerability what do you think are some of your areas in, of improvement for anyone who just thinks, yo, Tatiana's got it all together from dome to toe? Areas that I need to improve on or areas that I have been improving on? Hmm. You know what? I'll have you choose your own said adventure. A- said areas of improvement. I was like, and then the Virgo of me is like, we can go up, down, left, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If, do you want me to point you in a direction? No, we'll go everywhere. Um, <laughs> So, yes, some raw thoughts about me. Okay, here we go. I get, okay, this is something that really shocks people, but I get extremely anxious, I get extremely nervous, and I get extremely self-conscious around everybody. Mm. It could be a one-on-one conversation. It can be, um, it could be a large group of people. I feel like I'm an extremely shy person. Um, I know that I don't necessarily show it and it can it still boggles my mind sometimes. But um, that is something, you know, it, it, inherently everything just goes back to feeling unworthy, feeling unlovable. They, I'm always, I'm a number one criticizer of myself, everything. I shouldn't have said that. I should have articulated that a little bit better. I don't look this good this morning. I sound weird. I'm walking funny. I look hideous. I'm not thinking straight. I should be thinking a little bit more consciously. How you know? I feel useless. Why am I not helping out more? Um, oh, I should be at this point in my life. I should be here. Or you know, when we're talking about relationships and intimacy, it's always about what did I do? What did I do wrong? I said something, or I didn't do enough. And so it's a constant battle. Um, and and those, those two are, are definite areas of improvement for myself as well. But at the same time, I feel because I've dived in so deep into my work, I have this new lens on myself that's realized, wow, I think about myself a little bit too much. And <laughs> once I stop thinking about myself, I don't have any issues. I, I don't have any. Oh, you're so oh, good. Thank you. you. Okay, I love you too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, a 
Danny just kissed me. Okay. That <laughs> magnetic divine feminine you got there. <laughs> and she just lifted up her skirt and showed, okay, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Completely lost my train of thought. See, this kind of stuff happens to me on a daily day basis. But what I was saying is that what snaps me out of it is, yes, one, being present, but also thinking about other people. Thinking about how my presence can be a service to other people and, and, and just stopping the chatter. Because, you know, I don't think it's ever going to end. I don't think you're going to reach some sort of enlightenment. I'm going to reach some sort of enlightenment where I'm going to be 100% Gucci with myself. I have to be realistic. Many of the times I'm able to snap myself out of it and be like, okay, you, you're full of it today. Come on, let's just be real. Um, you know, just ground yourself and it's, you know, you fine as you are. you got to focus on other things. And then sometimes I get bouts of anxiety and it just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. But um, my gifts, I feel, one of my gifts is that I'm able to channel that into something productive. So I will write about it or I'll create a blog about it. And a lot of things, uh, something that a lot of people don't know is that a lot of my tarot meditations will come from a stream of consciousness of something that I'm experiencing personally but just happens to relate to a, a wide set of people at the same time. So that is kind of my set, like my release and my, my sort of relief from my personal demons. Uh, what else can we dive into? That was um, good. That was good enough. Carol. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we could dive in for days. <laughs> right. I'm like, save it for the lover that's going to be nude next to you in bed. You ain't got to give us everything. <laughs> I got to earn it. But it's beautiful to hear that level of transparency because I think when we I'm always searching for ways to to humanize myself even more. And like you said, it comes down to just being about something other than yourself. It's crazy how sometimes the easiest form of healing is just giving to other people. Now, at the same time, you have to have a balance because at some point you do have to address um you know, different areas of improvement, like we said before, but it's just, it's crazy how once you just say, let me, you know, take off my cool <laughs> and just really mm -hmm. see how I can be a, of service to others and then come back to myself later, how that can just alleviate some, some of the weight, all the heaviness. So I thank you for sharing that. Now I have one final question um, and it's kind of a curveball, and I don't know. It makes me laugh because you know how much we cherish um, our womanhood. But I want to know if reincarnation is, in fact, our circle of life and you were able to choose a man to come back as. And I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to give you some width on this dead or alive. But he must have a penis and balls to qualify as a man <laughs> then oh God. who would it be a man yeah yo <laughs> i know i know mm, this is tricky mama <laughs> <laughs> i know because my train of thought has not been on men lately um well i would say king akhenaten hmm. is is coming to mind, going to full circle reincarnation. I really feel like I've had a lot of past lives in ancient Egypt. King Akhenaten 
And if you said a woman, I would say Queen Nefertiti, but I'm going to say her, her lover, her husband, her better half, because uh, they really struck out as a very dynamic and, and ballsy couple in history. Um, they were the only in that dynasty to uh, eradicate the belief of a polytheistic religion polytheistic system and say that everything emanates from one source, one spirit, <clears throat> Ra, the sun, the mm-hmm. light. And so as a result from that, you know, they everyone thought it was heresy. Um, everyone thought it was sinful, thought it was taboo. Um, they set out to kill them. They completely demolished any um, any artifacts that had their faces on them. Anything that was written with them in it was completely destroyed. And so um, I just feel that that really resonates with me strongly because this is a man that is kind of giving power back to the people and, and telling them, well, listen, stop looking at your rulers and your kings as your supreme leader and as your god. You guys are all gods. We all come from the same source. And bam, I said it. So, so <laughs> here it is, you know. And, and, and they did it with such regality and such poise and such grace. And I'm thinking of, like, Nefertiti right now. But um, right. that it's just, you know, they were just known in history as these, uh, known in history as these outlaws, these spiritual outlaws. You know, who else in time has told, you know, has told anyone your gods don't exist. They're completely irrelevant. Yeah, that's a lot of gall. Let's praise the light, you know? Let's just praise that which we are. I mean, there are a lot of other men, but (laughs) I'm Mm going to stick to that one. I like that. Yeah, it seems like he completely embodies who you already are. So that's not a far-fetched reincarnation. My dear Tatiana, I really, really appreciate the, like, infinite appreciation if you don't already know i'll remind you by saying aloud i truly 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 believe that you're a phenomenal woman you have a spirit that cannot be contained you have a light that cannot be dimmed you have a magnificent wealth of knowledge that i'm just so 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 thankful that you're so open to sharing so i appreciate you giving me some of your time my friend thank you so much my love you're amazing Aw, I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon, baby. Okay, kisses. Mwah. Bye. Boom! I hope that gave y'all a clearer understanding of what the hell tarot card reading is all about. If your interest is on Boyle and you want to reach out to Tatiana for a reading or just to say thank you, holler her way. She's on Twitter. She's on Instagram, at Tatiana Tarot. Two N's in there, but I'll spell it out. Why not? T-A-T-I-A-N-N-A-T-A-R-O-T. And I'll have that in the show notes. If you click that big-ass image of my logo while listening, you can access them there or on she'sbeautyinthebeast.com. Do remember that Tarot reading very similar to astrology and um, numerology I should add in that it can't define our destiny someone put it to me perfectly I want to say my girl Mecca who's an astrologer Um, anyways uh, the idea is that astrology tarot numerology they pretty much give us a sense of the weather 
we're facing. But we can choose how we want to head outside. If you grab an umbrella, if you wear shorts, you get the idea of that analogy. So shout out to Free Will. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of She's Beauty and the Beast. Oh, dope ones. I appreciate your ears as always. And if you rock with my work, please let me know. I can always be reached via email, Tracy at itstracyg.com. No E and Tracy. And um, Twitter, Instagram, at it's Tracy G I T S T R A C Y G. But if you really want to hit me with a compliment, if you really want to do that, share this podcast with your friends, familia, a significant other, an insignificant other. Take your pick. Either way, I'm into this momentum we're building. So onward we go. Chin to the clouds, yo. And keep that soul lit. She's beauty and the beauty.